this scripture and then we're going to pray, okay? We'll pray for Joseph, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. You hear that, guys? Uh, your wife is more important than the gym, all right? He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great, pause, mystery. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand that roles, relationships, and responsibilities are your foundation, God, for civilization on earth. God, it is a mirror of the way the church respects the son. As the bride relates to the bridegroom, the world begins to see the gospel and the truth. God, in the name of Jesus, help us to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to the world through our marriages. Christian marriages preach God better than any pastor. Help us to see that the world thinks it's a great mystery, but the mystery's already been solved. It's already been solved through Jesus Christ. And let them see that demonstrated in the way we treat our spouse. Now, Father, we lift up Joseph to you, and God, we ask that you would heal him, that God, that you would heal him both of the poison ivy as well as this broken shoulder, that Katie would see the healing touch on her son, and that both would glorify you in the end, knowing that it was done by the hand of the great physician. We give you the honor and praise and the thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on. Amen. Amen. Before I get into this message this moment, I, I, I just want to say that uh, we probably need a disclaimer or a caveat. I don't claim to be an expert on marriage. In fact, I don't think I've ever preached specifically on marriage before at this church. But I'm going to today. I don't consider myself even that great of a husband. I'm constantly trying to improve. You might uh, say that Sarah and I have a weird and wonderful marriage. I'm weird and she's wonderful. True. And you're clapping because you know it's true. <laughs> I, uh, I've been married for 34 years. I'm in my 35th year of marriage. I've started over to the other side of recognizing that I've been married longer than some of the people that I'm around. It hasn't always been the case. Recently, we were uh, at a wedding ceremony, and they did one of these uh, anniversary dances, and I recognize that we're part of the old folks group now <laughs> because uh, we, were, we were one of four couples left. Uh, but Cole's grandparents, Cole Smith's grandparents, uh, were actually, uh, they, they were actually, they've been married longer than anybody. I think 65 years, is that right? 65 years. So that was awesome to be a part of. But, you know, when it's a packed house and people are dancing and like you're left up there with just your wife, you're like, okay, we've crossed over. We're, we're on the other side. We're on the other side. I want to talk to you about how the mystery of marriage, the gospel, is preached to the world through the relationship of a husband and wife. This is, this is foundational, and it's, it's been attacked more by the enemy than any other um, core foundation of Christianity. I, I want to I break it up into three parts, and I, I'd like you to just write them down or take a mental note of it. Everyone has a role. In other words, God has already chosen that role for you, and you should stay in your lane. You should know your role. Probably slow your roll. Maybe butter your roll. But hang on to your roll. That's already been chosen by God. Everyone has a role, 
everyone has a relationship. And my role is a function to serving in my relationship. And the world needs to see this. There is an individualistic uh, spirit that says you have no role. You can define your own role. You can be, you, you have no responsibility and you have no relationship. You can do what you want with your life and you can live your life for you. That idea crumbles society. Society cannot last unless people know their roles, function well in, res- in their responsibilities to their relationships. And that's the problem. People are living their lives now thinking, being indoctrinated by this culture that we're in, that I don't have a role, that I don't have a responsibility, and that I don't live for relationships. That's why we don't have fathers. That's why the crime rate goes up. That's why we have a brokenness within society, mostly because we have colleges that are pumping out commies. Okay, whatever. You say, Pastor, that was just that was just out of the left field. I'm talking about commies. Okay, I'll see you guys later. We're being indoctrinated by colleges that used to be seminaries. They used to put out pastors. They used to put out people who preached and taught the Word of God. And what people are hearing is, you can be anything you want, do anything you want with your life, live your life for you. You have no responsibility and relationship and role to anyone else. I'm going to give it, those are the R's. I'll give you the, uh, the F's here. You see, when God wanted to set up life here on earth and have it function well, God put a priority to these relationships this way. Okay? First thing we see is faith. We see faith in that Adam had his relationship with God. Amen? He loved God. He wouldn't worry about anything else. Then God said, you know, it's not good for you to be alone. I've called you to dominion on the earth. And for you to operate in that dominion effectively, my spiritual power is going to come into you, but you're going to need relationship for it. You'll have a role within that relationship. You'll have a responsibility within that relationship. Can, can, I, can I just tell you, the one thing that 40-year-old young shavers need to hear today? Responsibility. Role. Relationship. These are your functions in life. It's simple. Get a haircut. Get a job. Go to work. Serve your spouse, your family, provide. So the first thing God says is, for all this to work, we're going to have faith, but then we're going to need fidelity. Fidelity in marriage. God said, you know, you're not going to be able to do this alone because my spirit comes into agreement of two or more. You're not going to be able to do it in your own power, in your own strength, not by might, nor by power, but by my... The spirit comes into agreement. And there's just you, Adam. So you're going to need to come into agreement with someone. Now, for everyone in this room this morning that's married, uh, your first seven years is just figuring out what agreement is. And and, and anybody that's here that says, oh, we got that figured out in seven months, one of you is a robot (laughs) or a slave. Are you alive today? So fidelity in marriage, so that God's power can be released into that dominion I've called you to. We have faith and we have fidelity. And what is blossomed from that is family. And let me tell you what is missing from this sociological idealism or ideological message that is being pumped into Western culture today. The revisionists of history have said, we got here because everybody got to do whatever they wanted to do. That is not how liberty was founded. I love what Abraham Lincoln said. Liberty is not the freedom to do what you want. It is the freedom to do as you ought. That's liberty. Liberty then is not licentiousness. 
Liberty is not doing whatever you want, defining yourself any way you want, being whoever you want to be, and then expecting everybody else to address you that way, expecting everybody else to, 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 let, you, to let you camp out in your bedroom for the rest of your life and get a check in the mail. Your job then is to say to God, you have chosen my role. I have a responsibility and I have a relationship to live for. And the fruit of that is family. And when you have a godly family, you have a godly marriage. And when you have a godly marriage, you have a godly relationship with the Lord. And the world looks at that and the world sees the gospel preached. This is how Paul says the mystery of God's order and truth can come to the world. When the world and the lost get to the end of themselves, and people do, people come to the end of their rope all the time. You know that's why they come and talk to you at work when they won't talk to you any other time? Yeah, you witnessed for two or three years, and then there's that one day you go to work, and then everybody's coming to you and going, you know what? <laughs> Life is terrible. Do you have the answer? Why do you think they're talking to you? Because you know the mystery. You know the answer. Oh, God, I hope you do. If in that moment you go, hey, I can't help you. My life's a complete shipwreck. My marriage isn't, isn't good at all. We're barely hanging on. Our, our kids, who knows where they're at? Come on, church. The, the mystery of the message of God's hope for the world it's in your marriage. And it's in marriages. Some of you are here today, you're like, well, I don't know why I even came today because I'm not married. You were all married to Christ. If you're a believer in here today, you ought to be listening because you're the bride of Christ. And that mystery that is seen through marriage preaches the gospel to the world stronger than I could ever preach it or stronger than you could ever communicate it on your own. I want to draw a hermeneutical circle here so that we understand the exegetical precedence that Paul is using in the book of Ephesians. This idea of the mystery of the gospel happens in Ephesians six times. I want to give them to you. In other words, it's a theme for the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, the mystery is God's will revealed in Christ. It says to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Understand this, it's dominion. And we'll, we'll understand that in just a second. We'll get back to that in just a second. Let me just say for now, dominion means this. If you're in obedience to God, you have God's power and spirit to have authority here on earth to fix what's wrong. The church has the... The church is too passive. It doesn't understand. You've been endued with power. What does that mean? Uniform. Endowment means to be clothed. You've been endued with power set on high. You've been given power by God to have authority here on earth to change what's wrong. I'm preaching better than your amen, and I'm telling you that right now. Right now. So that's the first one, Ephesians 1.9. Ephesians 3.9 the mystery of God's plan. Watch this. Brought to light for everyone what is the plan and the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. That's the light. Dominion and light are part of the mystery of God. In Ephesians 3.3, 3, it's the mystery here is the revelation of God as revealed in Scripture. So in Ephesians 3.3, 3, we have Scripture. Ephesians 1.9, dominion ephesians 3 9 light ephesians 3 3 scripture ephesians 3 4 the mystery is from or of christ so now we have the source is christ that was ephesians 3 4 i won't give them all to you i'll just give you one more here ephesians 6 19 the mystery then is the gospel the gospel paul says i will boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. So I want you to see this. The mystery is dominion. The mystery 
is light. The mystery is scripture. The mystery is of Christ. And the mystery is the gospel. In our text that we read this morning, we find that in Ephesians 5.28, the mystery is demonstrated in marriage. You show the world the light in your marriage. You show the world the gospel in your marriage. You show the world the scriptures in your marriage. Your marriage. You are showing the world what is true in your marriage. And you say, it doesn't matter that I treat my spouse the way I do. Can I I tell you something? What absolutely befuddles me is how many believers in this day and age of darkness, watch this, will serve God without any respect whatsoever of serving God with their spouse. You cannot serve God and tell the world of God's light, God's scripture, God's gospel, God's... You can't do it and treat your spouse like some of us do. Because the world is saying, listen, your actions are preaching louder than what you're preaching with your mouth. You see, your marriage trumps your mouth. I better get this right because my wife is watching. I get it right. God did this through prophets. He does this through prophets all the time. All the time through prophets. Old Testament. God would say, now, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but when you go and you preach what's in your mouth, I'm going to have you demonstrate it too so that people can get it. We call this in, uh, in seminary in con- uh, contextualization. So go- what God is doing here is he's saying, I'm going to show you with words. Words, though, are just a certain level of power. When it gets really powerful is when somebody acts out and demonstrates it. Say demonstration. demonstration. So, so when Jeremiah went to preach to Jerusalem, God put a yoke on his neck. God said, go put a yoke on your neck. You don't know what a yoke is. It's not a bunch of eggs. They didn't egg him to death and then go, hey guys, you know. From oxen. He put a yoke on his neck and he went and preached. And he said, listen, you're in bondage. God wants to set you free. And they're going, I get it. You got a yoke on your neck. You see? The same thing with Ezekiel. He said, I want you to go preach to my people. They think that the wall that they're behind is keeping them safe, but it's actually keeping them in bondage. So I want you to dig a hole through the wall, right? Come out the other side, covered in what you just dug through, right? And start preaching so that people would go, what is the deal? What, what is it? This is a mystery. Why are you covered in dirt? Why did you just dig a hole through our wall? So that Ezekiel could go, hey, I dug a hole through the wall so that you could see what God is saying. You think this is your safety and it's really your bondage. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? So then you understand that when we get to the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 5, and it says, but God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't just use the word logos, rhema. God actually sent Jesus to come and demonstrate it. You see? Then Paul says, you see that? That mystery? I I, I want you to help people understand in the same way. And Paul says, I'm going to show you how to do it. Um, Ephesians, church in Ephesus. Pastor Tim, Timothy is your pastor. Hey, would you share this with the church? The best way they could preach to Ephesus. God's love, light, grace, gospel, God's dominion. It's through a good marriage. Can, can, I, can I tell you what's going to turn things around? You're all prepared for next year in a vote. Hey, before you start for the White House, how about you start in your house? Amen. How about this? How about you see your marriage as your ministry? How about you understand that your ministry will never go any farther than your marriage? And if I ain't preaching nothing else, it's that. When you... 
begin to work together in a partnership and you begin to function together. You're on the same page, loving God, serving God together. The world, see, can, can I just tell you how I treat my wife is the most important thing as a pastor in this church. How how many of you know I won't be pastor very long if I don't treat her well? How many of you know I won't be alive very long if I don't treat her? Are you with me? Everybody needs to see the truth of God's love by the way I treat her. This is why later in the book of, in the book of 2 Peter, it says, Husbands, you're going to have to love and treat your wives well or your very prayers won't be answered. The idea here is how I treat my wife is how God sees whether or not I could operate in his power and dominion. I don't have any power to preach if I fail to love my wife. And for all of you that struggle, all of you feminists, there's an altar for that. It didn't set anybody free. You want to talk about bondage? Yeah. Hello? Now, now mama has to stay at home, do all the work with the kids, provide, protect, do it all. And, and, and the man, who knows where he's at? <laughs> wow, I've got a tough crowd this morning, man. Some of you are like... Pfft. And the, the concept that the world wants you to begin to think is, that's more freedom. How is more freedom in that? When God set it up for it to be a partnership so that his power could flow through that partnership and through his power, things are fixed on earth. Things are made better on earth, but it comes through faith, fidelity, family. What's going to change Finley is family. I, I, name the problem. I'll tell you. It's changed with marriages. It's changed with faith, fidelity, and family. Name the problem in this world. Well, I've got to have some, well, if we can just get a, a different leader and we can just get, listen, I, I want to tell you something. That you are here today made up of a billion some odd cells. You started as one cell. Everything that God does in his creation all starts little and small. Everything has a DNA to it. And in that DNA, it multiplies and it grows. God looks to bring life through something real little like a cell that has DNA in it. And let me tell you what God will do to bring new life to America and our nation. I know you love it. I do too. I'll tell you how God does it. He starts back small with a small little cell. What's that cell? That cell is your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, and your relationship as family. And when families come back together, and when marriages come back together, and when men of God will serve the Lord again, you'll see the whole nation change. You'll see a multiplication. You'll see it multiply. I'm not talking about addition. I'm not talking about division or subtraction. I'm talking about God's math. Multiplication. And it all starts small as a seed. The dominion and power of God flows through agreement in a marriage. Let, let me just take you to a couple places and I'll close, okay? A couple places. You say, Pastor, I... I thought you were going to talk about submission. Can, can, can I just tell you something, ladies? Can I tell you something? It, I'll let, me, let me tell you men something. When you are willing to lay down your life and love your wife as Christ loves his church, submission is easy. You know what women are? They're reactors. Don't read into that. And don't throw tomatoes. They are mirroring, they are reacting to what they're getting. You get a spiritual man that will lay down his life, will die to self in his love for his wife. They naturally respond or react with submission. Do you get that? Do you know that in Ephesians, Paul mentions that men are supposed to love and die for their wives as Christ gives his life for the church first? Somebody's got to go first and it's not, it's not you ladies. So you let him go first in the way that he leads and the way that he, he loves you is to serve you by 
dying to self. And the natural, the natural response is, sure, honey, where are we going? The natural response is submission. We struggle with that word submission, but let me tell you something. One person is submitting and they're still alive. The other one has to die to get where, come on, church. The other one has to die to get where they're going. And God is saying, when you do that, things naturally line up. A woman will respond and react to what is being planted. Hello. I could go a little bit deeper, but it gets a little weird. And I, I'm about as weird as I want to get today. Let's talk about dominion. We're going to talk about dominion. And, uh, okay. We go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It's interesting because this is spiritual warfare. By the way, um, if there's one topic, and I, I know some of you are into it. God bless you. I'm just not okay but if there's one topic when I go into a Christian bookstore when I get CBD in the mail or something that I don't really care for it's spiritual warfare I'm just gonna be honest with you I don't care for it because most of it's written wrong and I'll tell you why it's written wrong because spiritual warfare was never supposed to be an individualistic thing spiritual warfare and dominion began as a couple and in through I have not seen a Christian book yet you, you want to be the first? There's maybe an author in this room that will put out a book on spiritual warfare that will talk how it comes out of marriage as a function of marriage. I'm going to read it to you. Call the law first mentioned in the Bible. Here it is, okay? Way back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Notice we're at singular. Say singular. singular. Male and female, he created them. Where are we at now? Plural. Watch what comes after plural. We're not at singular anymore. We're at plural. All right? And then God spoke to them. We still at plural? Okay. And he spoke to them both together. And God blessed them, right? And here's what God says. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. When was dominion and when was subduction a part of the power of mankind, as soon as God had more than one. As soon as God had more than one. You, 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 you want to know how to hire a pastor? You may have to someday. Stay with me. You might have to. You might have to. When you, when you bring in your people to interview, sit down with his wife. You, you don't get it. Some of you, you're like, whatever. You ever want to hire a pastor? Sit down with his wife. Talk to his wife. Talk to her. Because she got the scoop. She got the scoop. She got the scoop on ministry, his ministry, where it's been, what's happening, what's happening in the home. And what's happening in the home is going to affect what happens in God's house. Hello? So you say, why? Because the two together make the ministry. And then God God puts his power through. The two that come together. Do you see when dominion came for Adam and Eve? It came when, when Adam wasn't alone anymore. And he had Eve. Can I tell you why? Let me tell you why. Because when Adam and Eve come together, and Paul alludes to this later in the New Testament, when they come together, the Bible says the two became one flesh. But we're just talking about flesh. How much can you get done with flesh? The older I get, not much. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm on about like four Tylenol right now. Because I painted. <laughs> I'm not serious, man. Some of you are like, oh, we can tell you're on about four Tylenol. I mean, there ain't much. I mean, I, the older I get, it's like, um, I can't, you know, this body isn't going to do everything that this brain thinks it can do. Okay. Some of you are like, oh, that'll never happen to me. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming to you. <laughs> Hope I'm still here to see it happen too. <laughs> God would tell you, I told you so. Right? How much can flesh really do? How much can God's spirit do? Here's what happens. God is saying this. He's saying, yeah, the two come together, they become one flesh. But it doesn't become a living soul until my spirit, my, my ruah, is blown into them. I, I, want, I want to show you something here. The Trinity before it set up creation the trinity came together in agreement god in three persons but one 
Hello? You say, well, my brain can't really understand that. That's because your brain is carnal, and it's not a carnal thing. It's a spiritual thing. Spiritual things aren't received well by the carnal mind. Your mind has to be renewed. That's another sermon. Okay? But the three came together, who are one, and said, let us, how many is that? That's plural. Let us make man in our own image. Okay, well, they only made one. And then they said, well, wait, now wait a minute. It's not that we messed up. It's that we're going to improve on this. How many of you know God is so good he's always improving? Yeah. Can I just tell you that men that are single for their entire lives are just like monkeys swinging from trees? No, you don't think so. Okay, I've met a few. How many, of you, how, how many men know it's, kind of, it's a good thing to be married? Get that hand up. Lunch is going to be hard. Dear Lord! Some of you put it down way too fast. Dear God, man, help us, Lord. Help us. <laughs> so, so, so watch what God did. When he created man, he said, good. When he was done with Adam and Eve, he said, very good. Very good. And, and, and I, I want to show you what happens in the New Testament. Jesus comes along and he says, he says I, I, I want to teach you how prayer works. If any two or three of you come together agreeing on any one thing, it'd be done in heaven. That's done on earth. If any two of you come together in my name, he said, there I will be in the midst of you. How will that be? Does that mean that Jesus is going to suddenly appear in your living room? Maybe. But I'll tell you how he'll be there. His spirit. Jesus is saying, even when you pray, if you want to know my power and how it's released on the earth, pray together in your marriage. And then my spirit is going to come and inhabit that flesh. Come on. And now that flesh has the power to walk in the authority that I've called it to and dominion that I've called it to. How many of you know it's God's power? You get authority, but it's God's power. Does a police officer have the power to stop a car? He has the authority, not the power. Right? I don't know how many superhero movies you've watched. Marvel ain't got nothing on that. Let me tell you, he has the authority to stop a car. How does he have that authority? How does he have it? Because he's been endued with power. And when you get, when you get pulled over and you act a fool, is there just one? Suddenly, everybody shows. <laughs> oh, you've never been arrested. <laughs> That's a good thing. Unfortunately, before I got saved, I have. I was trespassing one time, skipping school. I was with my friends. Can you believe I had friends? And uh, we were in this abandoned warehouse. It was actually Almer's Chalmers. Alice Chalmers. It was uh, where they made the old tractors in LaPorte, Indiana. We skipped school and we were in there playing war, right? And I was, I was decked out. I had all kinds of, you know, it's not a good thing to have a gun when police officers show up, even one that don't, even a plastic one, okay? And I can remember hearing these words, stop, halt. And I went, and I seen a police officer and I peed my pants a little. I was scared. I was scared. Some of you are like, you didn't need to share that with me. I did. And, I can, and I, can, I can remember what happened. Two, three others showed up. It wasn't just one. It was at least two. Come on. And then you know what else happened? All my friends got put in the paddy wagon. But you know who they cuffed up? This guy. They cuffed me up. And I got to the police station. I wanted to know why. I said, why'd you cuff me up? Not my brother and the rest of my friends. And they said, because we know the ringleader when we see him. And it's you. And I was kind of like, you know it, you know it. Here's how important, here's how important agreement is in your marriage. Everything in the home is solved through your agreement. When you come together and you find Christ and Christ's spirit inhabits that one flesh, everything is solved in your home through that. You, listen, you don't need me to come to your house and tell you that. I just told you. You... 
Everything is solved through that. Everything. When you come together in agreement in the presence of the Lord. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can, can two walk together unless they agree? Uh, the Greek word there for agreement in the New Testament, when we talk about agreement, is symphoneo. It's where we get the word symphony. Um, if you've ever been to a classical concert, my wife and I enjoy that from time to time. And I enjoy other types of music too, okay? <laughs> but you will see that a symphony will tune up before they play. All of that chaos that you hear before the conductor comes to the stand and goes, and they all pay attention and they start listening, is they're warming up and tuning their instruments. I'm a guitar player. Who else plays guitar? Bass player, guitar player. God bless you. Here's what guitar players need to learn how to do. Your first lesson, tune up. Tune up. You tune up before you play with the rest of the band. Now, there's two types of people. There are people that think they can play music, and there are people that actually can play music. Can I tell you the difference between the two? One knows how to play with others. The other one, as soon as they get together with a band, all you hear is them. And they're going their own direction. The one that knows how to play with others is the one that releases agreement and power. God's Spirit will not inhabit disagreement. God's spirit is musical. It's beautiful. His spirit comes into agreement. His spirit is attracted to agreement. When you come together and you love each other, and you love each other enough to pray together, God's spirit comes into that situation. There isn't a thing that you can't conquer together with the presence and the power of God. But you've got to be willing to come together in agreement. And you say, well, there's just things I just, I don't want to let go of. You've got you to ask yourself, risk-reward. You've got to ask yourself, is it really worth? Uh, let me just tell you what getting past year seven in your marriage will do. Here's what it'll do. Just as the kids are like coming out of the diapers, right? I don't mean coming out of the diapers at one or two. I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're potty trained. And just as life's starting to get a little bit better, you look at each other and you're like, do we still love each other? If you had kids... You know what I'm talking about. Do we still, are we still together? Right? And then there's that moment is, well, are we going to do another seven years? And that's when things start to get better. And then right about 14 years to 21 years, then you start looking at each other and you're like, these Indians are out of here soon. <laughs> these crazy, ridiculous people who have been spending all our money and eating our food are going to be out of here soon. Glory be to God. We could have, we're going to throw a party. We're going to get wild, man. This is awesome. Okay? And then you're going to realize, you're going to think to yourself, this was worth it. It was worth it. But up until now, we could have had, we could have had a so much better time if we just gave up some of these things to agree. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you, you give up who you are, but you see everything through a partnership. You know, you're willing to run the race together. Like I said at a marriage here recently, every morning is a three-legged race that you get up for and you run all day long. And you learn that, hey, I may not be able to run as fast as them, so I give a little so that I'm able to finish with them. And God looks at that and says, I'll put my spirit in that. God says, that's good. That'll show the world how the Trinity works. That'll show the world who I am because you and your spouse together with God equal a three. And the world then sees who God is, who the Father is, the Son, and the Spirit. Because they see the mystery in a working marriage. That's what we want. We, got, we want the world that lives in darkness to see the mystery in the truth. So, Paul alludes to this a little bit more in the New Testament. Land in the plain. Because I know you're hungry. I am too I want lunch. What are you having for lunch? Have you decided yet? Aren't you Pentecostal? Doesn't the Spirit of God speak to you? you? You don't get a word from the Lord on what to eat before Sunday starts? Oh, let me help you with your prayer life. I don't leave home without it. <laughs> so, the world needs to see how God works and how God works is through three hard words serving each other 
submission and surrender to him. You won't get that from the world. The world hates those words. The world hates those words. It can't stand, Satan can't stand those words. You want to know why? Because his original strategy, right in the garden, you see, he's, he's into another S word, separation. He separated. He made sure he caught Eve without Adam then tempted Eve. Has God really said? And Eve goes, hmm, I don't know. And Eve didn't stop and go, I need to talk with my spouse about what you're saying. Guys, we can flip it around. We can do the same thing. Wait a minute. I need to talk with my spouse, and then we're going to talk with the Savior about what you're saying, right? So then as soon as he got them separated, then he got them together to be separated from the Lord. And they sinned. You see, serving, submission, surrender is how agreement works. You've got to learn to do a lot of that. I'm not here to tell you what the world says. I'm here to tell you what God says. You can have e-harmony or you can have he-harmony. I want he-harmony. I want his spirit. I talked to you this before, but this is the deepest thing I've ever said in this church. I guarantee it. Learn how to make mashed potatoes. Not from a box! You're not even allowed to become a member of this church if you don't mash potato from mashed potatoes, not box. Well, I just boil some water and I just. <laughs> That's not mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are actual potatoes that you mash. And when you get them, they're filthy. When you first get married to somebody, they're covered in their past, they're covered in dirt. You're going to have to find agreement. You ain't got it yet. You ain't got it yet. First, you're going to come under some hot water. You're going to clean all that filth off. That's going to take, that's going to take years, especially if you're married to me. Right, Sarah? It's going to take years. Yeah. And then you have to deal with all those crazy looking eyes. Right? You have to deal with all that, you know. You're going to get peeled. You're going to get peeled. You ain't together yet. You, 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 you ain't found agreement yet. You're not at Symphonale yet. Your guitar needs tuned. Once you're peeled, you're stripped, right? You're thinking, what's left of me? There's, you're still there. It's okay. Hang out. Then you get diced and sliced. You're thinking, this has got to be the end. I'd say that's right at about year... 25 to 30. Then you get thrown into boiling water together. And somebody walks away and it boils over. So there's no water left. You're going to go through things that are going to slice you, dice you, they're going to peel you. They're going to boil you. And you're going to think, what did I get married for? I thought I got married to be happy. You got married to be holy. Yeah. Right about then, the world starts looking at you and going, you know what? You stayed together through all that. What's the secret? Ancient Chinese secret. What's the secret? He harmony. We stayed with the Lord through it all. But once it's boiled, then you get mashed. <laughs> this is like 30 plus years, and by this time your body's falling apart, so you say, well, I might as well stay together. It's a, it's a great insurance policy, because, I mean, what am I going to do with myself? Why start all over? That would stink. So, uh... <laughs> I got you, babe. You know, we're, <laughs> you're stuck with me now. All right. All right. Then comes the butter. 
the best years. Then comes the gravy. I wanted gravy when I first married you. I wanted the gravy train. I wanted it to be easy. Easy's not at first. It's hard. You know why people get divorced? I'll tell you. Because of the mashing and the slicing and the dicing and the boiling and the peeling. And they just say, you know what? I need to do my own thing. I'd rather have life from a box. I'd rather have instant. There is no instant. God is not a microwave God. He's a crockpot God. And he puts you on a slow simmer for a very long time. Then it gets good. Then it gets good. Hang on. Hang on to that person. Stay together through thick and thin. Understand that God's spirit is going to show up into that situation. If you allow yourself the privilege of looking at somebody and saying, we stayed together. We got all this crud we went through, but we stayed together. And I love you now more than ever. I love you now more than ever. And then the world goes, that's a honking mystery. And God goes, yeah, and you need, to, you need to know there's an answer. Would you stand with me in prayer? Could, could, you, uh, could you stand next to someone, maybe your spouse, maybe a loved one? Could you pray together this morning? Maybe, maybe you could begin to pray if you're not married. Maybe you're never going to be married again. That's fine. You need to pass this message along to somebody who's counting on you. You might be the lighthouse in your family. You might have grandkids and kids that look to you for the truth. And they're always running to your house when things are bad at home. And you're going to need an answer. You got it today. Hey, watch it online. Go back and reread it. Watch it online. Give it to them. Pray for marriages today. If you are married and that person's in this house or even outside of this house, begin to pray for that marriage. Pray for agreement to come from the Holy Spirit. Pray for your lives to line up with the Word of God. Pray that the lost that are in your family would begin to see the mystery of God's gospel is solved and seen within the marriage. That faith and fidelity and family are the cornerstone of solving the problems here on earth. Would you pray with me? Father God, in the name of Jesus this morning, we pray, God, for the covenants that are in this room. God, we pray for the covenant that your church has with your son, Jesus Christ. He is our head. He is our bridegroom. We are his body. May we, God, submit to him as he has rightfully laid down his life and served us first help us God as husbands in this room as men in this room to serve our wives to lay down our lives to care for them provide for them protect them help us to do that God for our sisters in Christ our mothers and grandmothers in Christ as well God help the ladies of this room to see that the source is of Christ it's not of their husband it's of Christ. The source is Jesus. And yet their husband is there to love, to cherish, to provide and protect. Help us, God, to show the world the truth of your gospel lies in the mystery of marriage. God, we give you the praise. We give you the thanks. We give you the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Be a blessing this week.